Bang! We're live. This is the spaghetti of infinite. This is Infinite Spaghetti, a guided tour of the cosplay and creative archives with your host, Ethan Minsker. Part of the Project Nerd Podcast Network. Infinite Spaghetti. Gotta introduce my co-host right here, Blue. She put on pants for you guys. Pants for you guys, so you should feel special. On today's episode, we'll be interviewing Summer Serenity. But before we do that, graphic novel reviews with your host, Ethan Minsker. Stillwater, Volume 1, Rage Rage by Chip and Romana and Mike. This is also by Image. It's in the new selection. I went over and got it at Strand, physically went to the store, picked it up, bought it. For the people who remember shows like The Twilight Zone and things like that, where there's like a self-contained crazy little like element that's thrown into a story and then you got to navigate through it. This is a town within the border of the town. No one dies. No one gets old. Somebody who was basically taken out of the town so they could, as an infant, grow up to be an adult is brought back to the town. Very enjoyable. I highly recommend it stylistic reminding me of a lot of like the marvel comics and all of that the main character sometimes you want to smack them anyway okay that's still water you should definitely check that one out the department of truth the end of the world volume one tyon simond and Badakar. i can't even say those names but here it is i'm going to show you this one's a pretty interesting, another almost like Twilight Zone thing. That's the theme I was going with for these. Really great artwork, really interesting story. But this is as if you took every conspiracy theory there was. And the theory is, is that the more people believe in that conspiracy theory, conspiracy would actually turn into reality. So the Department of Truth goes around trying to hunt down any of the conspiracies that are gaining, gaining too much traction and basically wipe it out. And then it's like this interesting story of like what's truth and what's not truth. It's a little nerve wracking because you think like, okay, great. This is going to give a lot of the nutbags out there a reason to be like, see, like there there's, could be truth to it. Well, there's not. All the conspiracy theories out there that you believe in. Occam's razor, right? Simplest answer is the truth. But if you're into that, Department of Truth, that's for you. Summer, are you ready? I am Summer Serenity. I am 30 years old. I am a multifaceted artist. Uh, my entire life, I've just kind of been doing whatever my heart kind of directed me to. Singing, acting, performance, dancing. Just all of that fun stuff. Um, I also have been a longtime uh, fan of anime with my first love, Sailor Moon. <laughs> I actually help moderate and admin a couple of different fandom Facebook groups, uh, such as No Contact Sailor Moon, and then Ashira, the reboot one, one of those groups. And Because you said you read some books, I'm going to tell you to go check out my book if you're ever interested. I have two out there. It's all over Amazon and all that stuff. Barstool Prophet, Rich Boy Cries for Mama. One is about the DC punk scene growing up in Washington, DC. It's a comedy and tragedy. A few of my friends die. It's all based on a true story. Then I moved to New York City, Barstool Prophets. I work in a bar. I do a fanzine, another whole set of true stuff, breaking up my life into small chapters. Done with the plug. I got to plug something on every episode. I'm sorry. 
Let's go into the fire performance artist, right? Is that the proper? Yes, uh, there are a couple of different things that I could say, fire dancer, fire performer. A lot of people will just say uh, performance artist or movement artist, just depending because a lot of people that are in this uh, have a lot of different avenues that they do as far as movement goes. Maybe they are a ballet dancer or do modern or hip hop or something too. So it's just kind of a fire dancing is just one facet of being a performance artist especially in the flow arts community, which is where the hula hoops, the fans, poi, all that fun stuff comes from. Not everybody is on fire. First, it has to start with flow arts in general. My first uh, prop was a hula hoop, but I'm gonna go back a little bit further in time. When I was a kid was the first time I picked up a hula hoop, didn't really think anything much of it. I could waist hoop, get it onto my neck, you know, have it spinning around my wrist, switch arms, and I was like, oh, I'm so cool. And then I forgot about it. I just I just completely threw it away for a long time. And then I moved to Boulder when I was going into high school. And on Pearl Street, there were a lot of fire performers or street performers in general. And there was this couple that did fire poi. And I thought that was really cool. And I was just really interested in it. And I watched them all the time. <laughs> they were really nice. One of the guys, he actually taught me two, two very simple moves with, with the poi. And to describe poi, it's like balls that are either on fire or not on fire <laughs> attached to a string and you kind of spin them around. And so I was like, oh, I'm cool now. haha. <laughs> and then again, I just kind of didn't really take it seriously. Then, though, occasionally I would have some friends that would have something similar to poi called light sticks or whatever. Instead of being balls, it was just like a long stick with lights in it. <laughs> Be like, oh, look at me. I can do this one move. I'm so cool. I had a friend who had a birthday party where they brought in some fire performers. And again, I just thought it was so cool. But it wasn't until 2012 where I was living in Austin, Texas. And I had a friend and he wanted to take me to a bar at the time. And they used to have Wednesday fire spinning nights. And I was just watching all of these performers. So, so cool. So amazing. Then I went inside and they had really, really big hula hoops just of like the biggest plastic tubing you can think of. And I was like, I wonder if I still got it. I did it. I waist hooped. I got it up to my neck. I did the hand thing. But then I was like, no, I need to do more. And so I just started kind of losing myself in the hoop and just letting my body guide myself, letting my soul be like, oh, I'm going to try this next. Just letting it fall on me in different ways and trying to get out of it in different ways. And then about two months into fire hooping, I finally had the call of the fire. I was like, I need to do it. And so most people do not light their props on fire after two months of learning it without fire, but I had to, I had to. Yes, this video is me spinning fire for the first time with a hula hoop and it was phenomenal. But there is one thing I have to mention that a lot of fire spinners have experienced and that's you might be really good and have like a million tricks with a day version of a prop, and then once you light it for the first time or even the hundredth time, sometimes you just forget like 80% of the tricks, you know, <laughs> it was my first time ever having something on fire so close to me and dancing with it. It was, it was amazing, but also overwhelming. I was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't remember anything, uh, but I still tried my best and you know, I, I got addicted to it after that. So I also do 
fire fans. I occasionally do fire poise. I can fire eat. I can fire breathe. I can do a dragon staff. But imagine a like a staff, a normal staff, and then it has a couple of different spokes on it at the end. I can do a normal staff. I've got like tiny little mini staffs, two of them. There's a thing called a sliding orb where you just have a thing of cable wire and there's a tiny little wick in the middle and it can slide around. And it's just, uh, yes, and also palm torches. Sorry, that's the last, the last prop there. Got bit by this bug and I never look back. <laughs> How does it stay lit? But yes, yeah, so this is a normal hula hoop. You see there's nothing on it. It's just a circle. Fire version of a prop will have some Kevlar wick on it, usually attached to either a cable for something like a hula hoop, or it'll be tied onto the end of chain or some sort of other metal. And so what you would do is there are a couple different fuels that uh, fire spinners will use, especially depending on where they reside. Since I'm here in the USA, we tend to use white gas the most for this sort of thing for, for specifically for spinning with a prop. There is a different fuel that you would use for fire breathing, uh, but for the sake of safety, I'm not gonna say what it is because I don't want anybody <laughs> trying it at home without proper training. But yeah, so you would just soak it in the white gas until it's um, you know pretty pretty saturated. And then you light it on fire and each prop and their size of wick is gonna last a different amount of time. This hula hoop would probably last about three to four minutes. That doesn't mean all of the wicks would stay on fire that entire time, but at least some of them would. I have seen people really, really, really big poi where their wicks are like that big. <laughs> the burn time is like 20 minutes, but nobody can ever actually spend 20 minutes. It's just kind of almost like a comically large I'm gonna burn this until I'm tired and then someone else can take over and then someone else can take over. But yes, that's how it stays lit. And there are also things that you would wanna do, especially with something like a hula hoop since it has a plastic tubing attached to it, is at the very beginning of your burn with a hula hoop, you really wanna keep it moving because the fire is really hot that first couple of minutes, like that first 60 to 120 seconds. And if you leave your hoop stationary for too long, if you don't move it enough, it'll melt. With other props, you don't have to worry about that quite as much, though you do always have to keep in mind the temperature of the flame, the temperature of the wick, and the temperature of whatever metal is attached to it. Uh, I've got a lot of burns from fire spinning throughout the years. <laughs> when you say poi, that sounds like a Hawaiian name. So poi originates from the Maori people. I don't really know much beyond that, but also fire spinning is pretty central culturally to New Zealand, which is where the Maori people come from. But then it's also very culturally rooted in Hawaiian culture. In Hawaii, you see a lot more of the, the staff spinning where they have two staves that are about this long and they're doing like almost baton twirling type stuff. In a cultural way, hula hooping has deep roots in Native American history, too. There are a lot of different nations where hoop dance is considered to be a very powerful thing, and it can tell, like, sacred stories and stuff like that. I don't, I'm not trained in that. Usually when people do that, it starts with, like, one hoop and then can go on to, like, seven or nine hoops, and they create different shapes 
with those hoops. There are certain shapes that are supposed to represent like certain animals. Well, what does poi mean exactly then? This, these are poi. When it's on fire, the wick would be right here. Poi is the Maori word for ball on a cord. Poi or papoi is a traditional staple food in the Polynesian diet. So these are going to be normal day fans. They don't have wicks on them. Cool. And again, you would just kind of like closer to what you would see in Hawaii from fire spinners there. An old school way for, for them. And it's how people did fire spinning in general like 10 to 20 years ago when it was still kind of new as its own little community. And then Flow Arts also has a place in belly dancing. You'll see veil props. And right here is a veil fan. <laughs> so it's just really interesting to see all the different ways flow arts have kind of come together from just this mixing pot of cultures that created something that was very related to something across the entire world. <laughs> do's and don'ts, do your do's and don'ts for a fire. I mean, obviously don't catch on, don't yourself catch on fire like you showed, you got burned. So do's. Start with a day prop. Don't don't just go straight to fire. Uh, there are some people that are a little uh, crazy enough to, to do that and, you know, respect to them. But if you want to be safe, find an instructor <laughs> first uh, whenever you want to get into fire, especially if you want to get into fire breathing. Fire breathing is not only just dangerous, but it can actually cost you your life. With fire breathing, uh, if you inhale, if you like aspirate the particles, then you can get what's called lipid pneumonia or chemical pneumonia. You get particles of the oils or the gas or the fuel, I'm not telling you specifically what it is, uh, caught in your lungs and it's not very good and you can get go into the hospital for it. So make sure you get an instructor, make sure that you're using the right fuels, make sure they're reputable. <laughs> When it comes to doing the fire, like you see right here, this is me with fire fans uh, some years later after my first burn. Uh, you should always have what's called a fire safety. You can't see them right now in this video because they're off to the side, but you should always have somebody that's watching with a safety towel or just a normal towel if you don't have a normal safety blanket because you're new at it. Not wet, though you can have one that's wet, but you should always have one that's dry and have that person watching you to make sure you're not set on fire. You should always wear organic clothing. So you should be wearing cotton, pretty much one of the most popular ones, uh, anywhere from 90% to higher. Otherwise, you are taking the risk of having your clothing melt on you and that's not going to be a fun time because it will melt and attach to your skin. If you have long hair or you have short hair, if, if you're scared of your hair getting burned, essentially you can wear a bandana. You can wear some sort of hood, some sort of beanie, or you can wet your hair. One of the reasons why you really need to make sure you learn this correctly is because you need to learn how to control the flame for how close it's going to be to your mouth. Because when it gets too close, you will burn your eyelashes off. <laughs> I learned that from experience. <laughs> Fire eating, the same thing goes. You're gonna wanna get somebody that can properly teach you. You should get an instructor for any, any type of fire, but those are kind of more the more important ones. But you should always practice, 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 practice unlit for as long as you can. Take your day prop, practice with that for a couple of years. Don't follow me and burn after two months of trying it out. 
And then when you get your first fire prep, practice, practice, practice again with it unlit. When I first got my my own fire hoop, because the one that you saw in that video earlier, I borrowed from somebody else. Uh, I practiced probably for hours and hours with it unlit. And in fact, when I first started hooping, which is why I felt like I was at an okay enough level to start fire at two months in, is because every single day after I after I committed to learning how to hula hoop, I would go outside and practice for about five hours a day. And so I was practicing five-ish hours, five plus hours a day for almost two months straight. And because of that, I went whoosh <laughs> with my progression. And that's just not something that you should compare yourself to if you end up being interested in learning how to do any flow prop or learning how to do fire, especially since everybody learns at their own pace. What's easy to me might be hard to you as far as learning and what might be easy to you for a trick might be hard to me. There are some people that get it down in like two minutes, other people it takes months. So just don't get down on yourself if something's not clicking right away, because I promise you will get it eventually. And because you practice so hard on it, like it's, it's going to be perfect by the time you get it down. Where are you located? Denver, Colorado. So I also do VTubing. Part of my performance life, so there are certain places where I don't mind talking about it, but here is my VTuber, Mika Avery. She is a wood elf, and I was playing Skyrim in this stream, which was real nice and fun. Uh, I actually did this stream yesterday, and it was nearly seven hours long. <laughs> and well, let's watch the whole seven hours. Right? Let's get to it. No, wait, explain this to me. So this is like a game you're watching, you're playing, and then you record the game, and then you're also talking to the audience as you do this. Is that how it works? Take OBS, which is a program that you may or may not be aware of. OBS actually also has like a thing called OBS Streamlabs, which I think is what is used with Twitch. I'm not totally sure. I'm a YouTube streamer, so. Uh, but yeah, so basically with VTubing, you get a character, an avatar that is either going to be 2D or 3D. And it's usually an anime type character. I used Vroid Studios for my avatar. It was a huge pain, I'm not gonna lie, to, to make this because I'm good at like art, being artistic with my body and stuff. But as far as being technical with, with drawing or graphic design or stuff, I am not the best. So a lot of- well, Wait, so let me understand the character in the corner is rigged to your face. So the camera is recording your movements and mimicking your movements on screen, correct? So it's like a character design and then you probably are selecting like hair and elements and features and putting that together. And then that's your avatar. And then as the camera maps your face, it follows. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to stress that the hair was the hardest part and the character creation. And so it's the same thing as live streaming, except you're a different character, you're an anime character. And so in the VTubing community, it's usually, uh, we don't usually talk about the face behind, like the human face behind the avatar. So in most cases I would be like, oh, no, that's Mika, that's someone else, you know? It's a, it's a different persona, it's, it's someone who's- Wait, so you're outing yourself about your own persona? But no, I'm like just that. an independent VTuber, so it's not as 
important for me to stay hidden. Some people will disagree with me on that since part of the appeals to being a VTuber is being anonymous. But all that I like about it is that I don't have to like put on makeup and put on an outfit and have like my cool background, which I don't have in this room right now. I can just instead be this really cute anime avatar who is always looking fresh. <laughs> it is fun. I, I really enjoy it a lot. And she's really cute. I love her. Uh, oh, uh, photography. I also do a bit of photography. So this is my uh, photography Instagram, Summer, some Serenity photos, but larger is Summer Serenity photography. First one is just me because I got fancy, fancy new toys that I was like, ooh. That's you. You look so ooh. different. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. I just had different hair at the time. Yes, this is my friend, Mr. Fuzzles. He's fantastic. I, I adore him. This is my daughter, Blue, and my co-host. Hello, Ew. Blue. Summer lights all kinds of things on fire. Not herself. Not nice. Well. Tries not to light herself on fire. Give me a question for her, quick. What's the question, Blue? This was not my own camera at the time. This was a friend's camera. And I was just learning and somebody had kind of told me how to like edit it or whatever. And it's probably one of my favorite pictures that I've taken a fire, even though it was like one of my first. This just makes me want to go light a bunch of stuff on fire. I mean, you know, if you're ever in Colorado and you can safely set things on fire, I will gladly take pictures of you. Oh, I thought you were inviting me over to burn some stuff. You just want to photograph the aftermath of me catching on fire. Not nice. We'll find you a fire hat. People that set their hats on fire. Oh, yeah, I got nothing to lose up there. So this is the part where we talk about what media you're consuming. My first and truest love is Sailor Moon. Here, hold on. You can see it a little bit more. Do you hear about this Sailor Moon movie? Sailor Moon Eternal just recently came out on Netflix. It's a movie. But yeah, so Sailor Moon Eternal, it's part of the Sailor Moon Crystals reboot of Sailor Moon. I also like Hello Kitty. So I've got like a bunch of like Hello Kitty dolls over here. I've been watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure with my boyfriend. I've also been trying to rewatch Bleach because when I first watched it, I never finished it. Um, a couple of years ago, I finally watched Naruto and Naruto Shippuden. Why don't you tell people where to find you? So on Instagram, you already have my photography handle, which just to remind you is some Serenity photos. My normal Instagram, which has just mostly turned into me uploading selfies, but I used to have a lot more hoop and fire content on there is going to be at summer.serenity. So just S-U-M-M-E-R period S-E-R-E-N-I-T. But if you look up Mika Avery and you find one that has a cute little wood elf with green hair and brown skin, that's going to be me. I do also have a Twitter for Mika Avery, which is just going to be Mika underscore Avery. Uh, just remember to embrace the passions of your soul and let your fire shine so bright that the stars will remember it till the end of time. Exit. Thank you for watching Infinite Spaghetti. If you like the show, please share, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Shows like this only exist with the constant support of its viewing audience.
For great cosplay content and amazing podcasts, head over to projectnerd.com. That's project-nerd.com.